0: Well, yesterday it was so warm. Today it's so cool. But uh, we're in John chapter 8. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 24. And it's Jesus again will be teaching in the temple. But last week we talked about how he was Subject to the rulers bringing a woman caught in adultery. Caught in the very act of adultery. And the scribes and the Pharisees say, pressure Jesus to condemn this woman. And they say to Jesus, the law says stone her. But what do you say, Jesus? And it was a trap. But Jesus went to great lengths to show the woman's accusers, that they were more guilty of sin than she was. In fact, it even says they had the greater sin. And these accusers, they leave the scene, the oldest to the youngest, and they can't condemn her because of their own guilt. And it's amazing that when we're confronted By our own sin. It sure makes it hard to condemn others for a similar sin. And the only sinless one in that whole episode, of course, was Jesus. And he says, neither do I condemn you. The only one that could condemn her says, go and sin no more. But Jesus, we find Jesus this morning back at the temple, and he continues his teaching. John 8, 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus has again come before the people, and he is teaching the people, and he's describing to the people who He is, and he's not shy about that. He's upfront and simple of who he is. The the rulers have brought this woman before Jesus and that interrupted his teaching and his declaration of who he is. And Jesus says, I am singular. I am the light of the world. And this is going on during the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, during this Feast of the Tabernacles, well, it's right after that, they had a ceremony which they would call the Illumination of the Temple. And they would light two gigantic, large chandeliers, and they were so bright that it would illuminate all the city. And they did this in remembrance of when They were out in the wilderness, and they would be led by a pillar of light at night. But here in Jesus' day, there at the temple, they would light these chandeliers, and then they would have a dance. The Jews love to dance, you know, and they do their dancing, And they would dance for hours before this illuminated temple. In Jesus, we have him declaring, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is taking advantages of the c- ceremonies there in the temple, uh, where they light up and everything is lit. And he uses that to make a point. But light is essential Physically and emotionally, to each and every one of us. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. What a statement. We measure space and our galaxies and so forth by how far light travels in a year. I think it's 5.8 trillion miles, something like that. It's unbelievably big numbers. And we get overwhelmed by the vastness of space. Our galaxy, the Milky Way, is 100,000 light years across it. Just our galaxy. And there's millions of galaxies. And Jesus, he states, he is the light of the world. What a profound truth he's laying out there. Have you ever been in darkness so dense that you absolutely had no vision whatsoever? You know, you can't see hand and face and so forth. When Lori and I were on one of her family reunions in the Cascade Mountains of Washington, out in the middle of the very dark forest, and there weren't any lights around, and our little remote cabin did not have a bathroom. Middle of the night, Don has to go to the bathroom. And during the night, I need to use that bathroom and I go down the hill with my little flashlight to the bathroom. But on my way back up to the cabin, I don't turn on my flashlight. I stumbled across a log, a pine log that is three to four feet in diameter, and just do a header right over the top of it. And it caused me to turn on my flashlight in the first place. But I was captivated by how dark it was, just amazed at the darkness. Now, as you know, most of you know, Lori and I live out on a farm, and we have one of those mercury vapor lights on a pole And every night it comes on, and it illuminates quite well. But every now and again, I will go out beyond the light, out in a pasture or something, and I'm amazed at how dark it gets out there. You city folks should come out and see what darkness is all about. I'm just telling you. But Jesus says, do not walk in darkness. Don't walk in darkness but rather in light. The religious leaders of Jesus' day find fault, and they find fault with him because of their unbelief. The sin of unbelief separates you from acknowledging God. That's the great sin of unbelief. Believing is not sorting out truth and so forth as we would probably think but it's an act of our will to believe in god how critical it is for us to have a believing heart it's so critical it's life and death just what you believe but we have these unbelieving religious leaders finding fault and it's to their own demise so let's read verses 13 through 20 in chapter 8. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I have come from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge No one. Yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no one laid hands on him for his hour had not yet come. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, they accused Jesus of witnessing of himself. And Jesus granted that is what he's doing. But he says, my witness is true. And here lies the truth. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus is either who he said he was or claims to be, or he's a liar. One of the two. That's our Lord. Verse 18, I have my witness that I'm from the Father. So I have two agreeing And the witness of two is the truth. What is Jesus' claim? He claims, I am. I am the light of the world. That's in verse 12. The Pharisees, they have their reasons not to believe, but they're selfish reasons not to believe. Because if they believe, their whole life must change. First, they will lose their authority over the people, and they must submit to the authority of Jesus. And for them, this means a tremendous loss of income because they make a lot of money off of the Jewish people at all the feast and all the sacrifice. They profit much from the people. So for the Pharisees and the religious leaders to believe it's not going to happen because it's going to be a non-profit situation for them. They cannot become rich off the people. In Jesus, in verse 15, he states, You Pharisees and rulers judge according to the flesh. According to your own interest and logic. You judge for what benefits you. And to emphasize this point, Jesus says, I judge no one. Isn't that interesting? The only one who could judge says, I judge no one. And that included the woman that they have just brought before him caught in adultery. He doesn't judge her. And these Pharisees are frustrated So they begin to throw accusations at Jesus. In verse 19, where is your father? They're insinuating that Jesus was born out of wedlock. Your birth, Jesus, is illegitimate. They're cruel, and they're also misinformed. But we saw their intent of their heart. With the woman who was caught in adultery. And then Jesus points out their unbelief. He points out their unbelief in himself. Plus the unbelief they had in God the Father. God the Father whom these leaders are supposed to make known to the people. The purpose of a scribe, a ruler, a priest, or a pastor. Is to point. People to God. My job is to point you to God. It's that simple. And how can any religious leader openly declare God to the people that do not know God? Jesus says, you don't know him. You don't know my father. You don't know how to act, how to believe. Let's finish this passage in verse 21 through 24. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, Will he kill himself? Because he says, Where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you, That you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe, That I am, and then he, you will die in your sins. Jesus has firmly stated a truth I'm going away, and then you're going to seek me. But because of your unbelief, you will die in your sins. An unbeliever, Jesus is saying, cannot go where he is going. Well, where is Jesus going? He's going back to heaven. Jesus knew he would return to heaven, and who's going to follow him? His disciples, you and I, believers. In verse 22, the Jewish leaders have a question, and that says, will Jesus kill himself? They think he's talking about him committing suicide. And that is a mortal sin to any Jew. It's murder. You can't murder your own self. You can't die being a murderer. And their hatred for Jesus will not allow them to consider spiritual truth. We've all heard it said, there is no one so blind as he who will not see. And how true that is. The person that refuses to face the truth of Jesus is a person who will not see. Jesus speaks of heaven as his future home, as a believer's future home. Now, I have to confess, I do not ponder or think upon heaven as much as I should. I just don't. Uh. Maybe it's a lack of understanding about heaven. I'm not sure. But I don't think about heaven a whole lot. I can't even get past the millennium. But anyway, here Jesus speaks of going back to heaven. And the religious leaders think Jesus is talking about killing himself. Verse 23, Jesus clarifies it. And he says, I am from above. You are from this world. I am not of this world, and that's three declarative statements that he makes there. I am from above, you are of this world, and I am not of this world. Verse 24, and therefore you will die in your sins if or since you do not believe. What do they not believe? They do not believe his claim that he is or I am. The he there, if you have a new King James, is in italics, meaning that it was added. He really said, I am. Did the Jews know what I am refers to? It's the name that God told Moses To use of him. Back when Moses was called to be the deliverer of Israel. And Jesus now uses that same emphatic term. I am. I am God. And apart from me. Apart from belief in me. You will die in your sins. Jesus just made the path of salvation very narrow. These religious leaders, they want to argue, they want to find fault with Jesus, but Jesus has been faithful to declare the truth of himself. The truth that he is the only path of salvation. The descriptions... The beliefs that men will come up with are almost comical. Some of them, they're so far-fetched. But the basic belief of today is man is good. And if you believe what you believe, as long as you're sincere in your belief, then it's okay. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus even says the demons believe and tremble. So what you believe matters, absolutely matters. There is one way to God, singular, and that is through Jesus, his son. That's the only way. It was true when Jesus confronted these Jewish leaders 2,000 years ago, and it's true today. Some some people will argue like the Jewish rulers argued. But the truth remains, salvation is only through Jesus. That's it. And some will say, well, that's that's too limited. That's too strenuous. Don't fret the fact that the path of salvation is narrow. Don't ever fret that. Rejoice that there is a path. There's what you're to be glad about. And to rejoice in the fact that God has shown you the path of salvation. That's why we're gathered here. We're gathered here in the belief that Jesus is God and that he is our only way of salvation and our only way to heaven. Don't let that offend you. Rejoice that we have a way to heaven. Amen? Amen. Let me get you a stand. We'll close in prayer. Just in time, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Father God, first of all, we give you thanks that you've given us a heart to believe. Lord, you've overcome our Simplistic logic, our fleshly logic, and you've shown us the truth of you, Jesus, by your Spirit. How we rejoice in knowing the truth, Lord. We will rejoice throughout eternity because of that truth that you've embedded in our hearts and put into our lives. So we rejoice, rejoice that you've made it known to us. So, Lord. We thank you for the gift of salvation through Jesus. And Lord, we pray that we would be a good witness to those that do not know you. That we would be uh, ready in season and out of season to make known the truth of you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for not shying away about declaring who you are. You declared it to the Jewish people in your day, you... Saw fit to have it recorded where we can read it, Lord, and know that you were God and that you prepared for us salvation if we will simply believe. What a great gift! What an awesome gift we have in the truth of you, Jesus. May we make that truth known. May we not be shy about sharing about you, Jesus. But let us do it in a loving and kind way, Lord, just to to realize (laughs) that we have life eternal by simply believing. What a great gift. What an awesome God you are. And we thank you for it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Now...